With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today, once again, I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Connolly for the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin. How are you doing guys? As well, I am happier with two wins under a belt, you know, and a quadruple world record, quadruple treble. Just around the corner, hopefully. Yeah. Well, this time last week we were, uh, we're in a bit of a slump. We were looking at, you know, two wins in 12. We had the European game coming up on the Thursday followed by the weekend's game against Kilmarnock. So, Natasha, talk us through the last couple of games and some of the high points for you. What's changed? Um, I think the general feeling about the club and about the supporters has changed. There's been a shift um, over the last two games. Um, A lot to do with the results, of course. Um, But there's just something shifted in terms of the way that the fans are feeling about it. There seems to be some sort of light at the end of this long bleak tunnel that we've been in um careful not to get carried away um i think that while the performances have been better there's still a long way to go but there is some light at the end of the tunnel and it's just changing the perspective a little bit and changing the landscape which was long overdue the big thing, Natasha, it's like you say there, um, trying not to get too carried away, but at the same time, you've got to be positive. You've got to look at the positives. Um, and a big massive part for me is some of the fresh faces that came in. I think it was almost forced upon Neil Lennon. He'd almost tried everything he could with what he had at his disposal. So he throws in some of the, the new faces, guys who had been at the club for some time, and they perform brilliantly. Uh, they keep the jerseys for Kilmarnock. 
and we'll come on to this about keeping the jerseys for Sunday, of course. But when you look over the last couple of games, who's impressed you the most? Um, for me, I feel like Turnbull's getting a lot of the attention, and certainly on the commentary that we heard, um, everyone was very pro Turnbull, and I don't disagree. I think he was fantastic when he came in, and what he offers us from set pieces and and a bit of drive forward is excellent. But for me, if I had to to pick one who's really impressed me, which I didn't expect, um, it has to be Sorrow. Um, I think the work rate that he put in in the middle of the park in both games, I think his contribution was outstanding. Um, And while it might be the case that he does lose his place coming up, I think for me, he has been the real highlight of the last couple of games is how well he's done since he came in. Oh, definitely. And there's been a few others, of course. Uh, Lawrence, if we come to yourself, a few weeks back, you said Ayer would make a good right back. I'm going to have to give you credit for that because in the last couple of games, I think he's performed really well there. Is that something that you you look upon as being a short-term solution or do you think, you know, just keep him out there because Duffy's coming into a game as well? I think definitely keep him out there. Uh, You know, with Taylor and Diego, a left-back, position sorted, Julian sorts one of the centre-halves, Ayer sorts right back, never 100% convinced of him at centre-back, so it leaves us one to sort out, and if Duffy comes into a game, step in, who knows, we may be in for another centre-back if he doesn't. Young Welsh didn't do too badly when he came in, but uh, yeah, I, I would keep Ayer out there, but big mention to Connor Hazard, I, I think he's just cool, calm and collected, he just, I think the defence has kind of taken it a happier with him behind him. He's just like that calmness in a keeper. He's commanded his box well. It's not any huge saves to make, but he just he looks an assured keeper, which has got to give the defence confidence. You know, when we're looking at all the problems, and there have been many, Natasha, this year with Celtic, I mean, there's been so many, um, sometimes it's difficult to, to figure out and pinpoint what has caused this slump. A massive part of that has been the fact that, you know, we had someone like Fraser Foster, who I was saying last season was undoubtedly Neil Lennon's best piece of business, you know, bringing him back in, uh, not just for the the big saves, because we remember him for the big saves and the big performances, you know, Lazio, Rangers in the final, but also because, you know, they defend, the the defenders had that belief in him behind, behind, behind the centre-halves, and he was a big commanding figure. We we definitely have not had that from Barkas and Bain. So as we go through some of the, the high points of the last week, I'm going to ask you uh, the question of these players. Let's start off with Connor Hazard then, and I'm going to ask you first, Natasha. Do you give him the number one jersey for Sunday? I do, yes. Um, I think he has really bolstered the defence and just being that confident figure behind them that they can rely on, which is surprising. You know, he's still relatively young. He's only 22 um, he hasn't played much first-team football, but for some reason he has just come in and been a reassuring presence at the back. Um, and obviously, you know, they'll work much more closely with them in training that we don't get to see, and they will obviously know him and have played with him. Um, but I just, I've been really impressed with him. And I think if you were going to give Barkas or Bain a run of games to, to build their confidence, that would have happened over the last couple of weeks. They would have got the real game. They would have got the game on Sunday. They didn't get that. So there's obviously no plans of trying to build a little bit of momentum in the team for either of them. So it clearly seems to me that it's Hazard's turn. Um, and so far, he's done nothing to, to lose the jersey, if you like. I think it's it's a great point because I did say that, you know, the team that started against Kilmarnock, let's say, um, you know, they've got the first team jerseys and it's it's up to them to lose them and it's up to the guys on the bench to, to regain their place. I'll come over to yourself, Lawrence. Do you agree with Natasha that Connor Hazard should start the cup final? Yeah, yeah, I think undoubtedly. Uh, we spoke a few weeks about, ago about who has a jersey on form and I think he's definitely got the jersey on form, hasn't he? Clean sheet at the weekend, you know, it's uh, it's looking good. As Natasha said, he's only 22. We'll try to tie him up in a longer-term contract. If he keeps performing this way until January, I think, you know, we don't need another keeper. We, we stick with him and 
The big thing with that, Lawrence, is uh, we're always going on about youth development, giving young players a chance. So when one comes through, like Connor Hazard, and I think the last goalie that came through was probably David Marshall some time ago, then yeah, give him an opportunity. Um, I've mentioned Big Ayer. I'm a massive fan, Natasha. I think he's a, he's a great talent. I don't think we're going to keep him, um, that much longer, if I'm being honest. But when we're looking at the, the makeup of that defence, do you start with Ayer at right back and Big Shane Duffy at centre half? Yeah, um, to be honest, I think I'm going to go with the same lineup across the back as they had against Kilmarnock, and that includes Ayer at right back. Mm-hmm. Um, he offers that sort of commanding presence in the air, I think we'll need from set pieces against Hearts, um, and he offers a bit of that physical side, again, that I think we'll need against Hearts. And to my surprise, and maybe not Lawrence's, to my surprise, he's proven himself out to be um, pretty good on the wing as a right back as well, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, again, if we're talking about losing jerseys or losing places, I think he's done absolutely nothing wrong at right back. He's been a breath of fresh air there and there's no reason to change that. No, I mean, he's shown some skills as well going forward. Mm. And it's obviously, it's, it's always sad, Natasha, when you hear about players suffering from personal issues and Elhamid's homesick and his mm. family's back over in Israel and it looks as though his Celtic career will come to a close. So I can understand why Ayer's been shifted, uh, give Elhamid a rest. Another player, I've got to give you credit, Lawrence, uh, where credit's due, another player that you have championed in the past is Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor at left back, he comes in against Kilmarnock and what I've got to say there is quite a lot of people were raving about like Salt. He comes in with, um, you know, he's a high caliber signing, comes in from AC Milan. He looked apart. He's a very good ball winner. Um, but when you look at the way that, that Taylor's approached this situation, he starts off the season at left back, sets up a couple of goals. You've got the whole ball and golly scandal, um, ball and golly gate. And then Greg Taylor might think I'm the first choice left back. He gets a lot of criticism. You stand up for him, Lawrence, time and time again. But then he loses his place again to like Salt. But instead of throwing the toys at the pram, I think every time he's asked to come back in, he shows great application, he's got a very good attitude, and he's fought his way back in. Now, do you agree with Natasha that we keep the back four as we'd started against Kilmarnock? Yeah, I mean, Diego picked up a bit of an injury in the European game, so I don't know if that was maybe Saturday. But yeah, you've kept a clean sheet. We need some. Stability. I think Diego's a, a better left back, but Greg Taylor's definitely a, a worthy understudy. He's 23. He's a player that we can develop. We talk about you know, developing uh, our players. So yeah, I, I would keep him there, even though I think it might sound daft. But I think Diego's a better player. They just keep that stability. They've had a clean sheet. Let him go and kind of try and build upon it. Taylor's not really done anything to get him dropped. No. You, you know, he's, he's not made a mistake. He was good going forward, especially second half. So, yeah, I would definitely keep him in. Now, it was interesting, Natasha, to hear Neil Lennon always am after the games. I, I listened to them intently to see if he's going to give us any kind of clues or what's going on behind the scenes. And what he did say was, you know, there's a there's a loyalty um, aspect of Sunday's, you know, lineup. And I was thinking when he said that, uh, you know, all roads lead to Scott Brown. I'm thinking he's going to start with Scott Brown. And I can understand why he would. He's an influential player. He's a club captain, modern day uh, legend. I don't think anybody could argue with that. When you're looking at that midfield and a couple of the introductions being obviously Sorrow and Turnbull, do you think Lenny will go for Bruni? I do, yes. Um, I think there's no getting away from that. Um, And I do understand to an extent. For me, positions have to be based on form. But equally, I completely understand the view that it's very difficult to start a cup final without your captain and without someone like Scott Brown. Um, I think Celtic posted um, an interview with Brown yesterday from Daffabet in the whole leading up to the final sort of angle. And one of the questions asked was, you know, what will it mean to you to lead the team out against Hearts at another cup final? You're not dropping someone if you're putting interviews out asking that sort of question. Brown is going to play... Um, I would put a lot of money on that. And the question that just remains to be asked from there is, in place of who? Who are we taking mm. out? Yep, absolutely. For me, for me, I think, as much as I've just said that he's the one who's impressed me most and I stand by that, for me, I think it is going to be sorrow that's going to make way for Brown. Mm. 
It's a shame. I mean, you're right about that Daffabet advert, and a lot of people say the same about the Christmas advert. How can you sack Lenny when he's just narrated the Christmas advert, you know? And that's why we're keeping him until after Christmas. Well, I hope the board have got a bigger plan than that. You're right about Sorrow. I think he's come in. A lot of people were saying, to be fair to him, a lot of people were saying in the comments on the bulletin, Sorrow should get a chance. And I, I didn't see it because I'd seen as much as Sorrow as everybody else, you know, wee cameos in the European games. And I thought, I've not seen enough of him. But he's come in and I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, unfortunately, if Bruni plays, Sorrow's a guy who's going to step aside. Um, but the big thing about Sorrow, and I think we've seen it uh, more so in the Kilmarnock game, is we've started to get another uh, performance out of McGregor. McGregor's kind of been out of sorts. He was dropped for the Ross County game. But that, again, I think has been due to maybe the way that Scott Brown's been playing and McGregor's having to make up a lot of the, the distance for Scott Brown. Sorrow comes in and after the Lille game where McGregor wasn't brilliant, he plays really well against Kilmarnock. And, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think Scott Brown will lead the team out. Will it be swan song? Well, I'm not writing off this season yet. There's another cup final to play at the end of the season. Lawrence, do you agree with Natasha? Is, are we going to see Scott Brown leading us out for yet another cup final? I, it's a tough one and I think I'm going to say Lenny's going to drop him and stick with Sorrow. I mm. think Lenny's uh, one of, for, for me and I think I've said on the show one of Lenny's I suppose faults we've all got faults is that he's too loyal to, to players. Uh, not in particular you know, Scott Brown but kind of that squad is in general and I think he's kind of came to the point where he's reached the, the end of his tether shall we say. He tried everything. I think now he's got two wins under his belt I, I, I think he, yeah, I think he'll start with Sorrow. I think Brown will come on at some point. I could see that happening, but I think, yeah, I think he'll start with Sorrow. Because if you start with Brown, what's the plan? We're going to be subbing him at some point to bring Sorrow on. You know, how much extra is he going to add? Uh, I, th- I think maybe Brown coming on as he's done in the past. You know, for the last twenty minutes of the game, something's mm. maybe the better option. Uh, but then start with. We shall see it about one o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Uh, some of the other questions, really, uh, Natasha, David Turnbull, I think he's a certainty to start. I've been so impressed with um, not only his plays, he's, he's always offensive. Everything he does is, is forward. Um, and obviously his ball retention is unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't remember that many occasions where he's lost the ball. But his corners, all of a sudden, we've become a danger at corners. You've got Ayer, Julian and Duffy as big targets. Christie's not been able to find them all season. Turnbull is, is playing corners right onto their heads. Um, would you agree with me and, and say that Turnbull's a, a certainty to start? I'd like to think so. Um, and yeah, if if I have to come down on either side, I'm going to say yes. I think he will start. Um, and I think that what you're saying is spot on. It's exactly what we've missed in the middle of the park. What we've been finding, and especially the, the domestic games, is a complete inability to break through that back line to get the ball from the midfield higher up the pitch just hasn't been happening. There's been too much negativity, too much going backwards, and Turnbull's been a breath of fresh air in that aspect. Um, it's what he does, he gets on the ball and he looks... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's to drive forward. That's helping us get into the final third, which is which is where you score the goals. So I think he has to start, um, and I think he will. Brilliant. Lawrence, see when you look at the, the story of David Turnbull, you know, the way that he, he was in the boardroom, he had the Celtic jersey on, he was ready to be paraded and it all broke down because the the medical uh, obviously brought something up. He's then had that journey of trying to get back to full fitness. The question around whether or not he can regain the form that uh, made him one of the most sought after youngsters in Scottish football, he then gets the transfer and disappears. How great has it been to see him coming back over the last couple of games? Uh, yeah, it's been brilliant. You can see why we waited on him, can't you? Uh, just the energy. And it, not him alone, no other players have, have brought that energy and get rid of the staleness that's perhaps uh, pervaded the team. And maybe that staleness has come because we did hold on to all our players and 
there was enough changes. But mm. it, it's just, you, you can see, you know, when we signed Scott Brown all those years ago, you can see Turnbull going on to do the same again that, that, that Brown's done. You know, he, he's got that potential. He's at the right age that we could, we could have him at the club for years. I would like to hope so. And, I, I you know, I generally uh, hope that he, of all the three, uh, would play on Sunday, although I would play Sorrow and Hazard. I, I do fear uh, exactly what Natasha says. Scott Brown's going to start. And I say I fear. I mean, Scott Brown brings loads to the table. I mean, he is a leader. Um, we've seen, even in the first half against AC Milan, a game which I don't think he should have started, that, you know, the performances are still there. He looked very, very accomplished in the first half in the San Siro. Um, up front, there's a big question, obviously, about uh, Eduard, who is certainly playing within himself. Uh, he seems to play quite well when he's on the stage in Europe or when he's on the stage for France under-21s. Natasha, is it a case of we've got to play him because we don't really have anyone uh, that we can call upon that can make any kind of impact at the moment? Absolutely. I mean, Edward is our number one striker. Um, that's clear. Technically, he should be head and shoulders above the rest of our striking options. You have to be able to go to him. Whether we can at the moment, whether there's different form merits a drop I don't know I think like you said he does turn up for the big games he's usually plays better in Europe he plays better for France maybe a cup final is is where he's going to come to life a bit again um, and like you say who else are we going to go with Klamala for me is the natural choice I think he's pushed himself up the pecking order um, to become our second choice striker ahead of Ayeti and ahead of Griffith but I don't think we can go into the cup final against Hearts with one up front, which is what I think we'll do. And that one up front being Klamala, not when you've got a player with the potential of Edward, I think he has to start. Mm. No, I, I agree with that. And as much as I love the effort and uh, the energy that Klamala brings to the Celtic side, I don't think he's got the cutting edge. I don't think he's got the football brain of Lee Griffiths, for example, who can stretch the back line. He, don't, he certainly doesn't have the talent of Eduard. Ayeti is the other option, but he hasn't featured enough for me in the last few weeks um, to be worthy of a place on in the starting lineup. I think he's a good option on the bench. But yes, Eduard, even though I'm saying let's pick the team on form, I'm going to say Eduard's got to start because he's a big game player. Uh, we remember the last cup final against Hearts where you know Lustig's last touch of the ball as a Celtic player was to lay on Eddie. We all know what happened next. If you were to pick one player for that ball to land at his feet one-on-one with the goalie, it was, it was French Eddie. And he'd done exactly what we needed uh, him to do then. Lawrence, are you going to disagree with uh, the rest of us or do you think someone else should get a starting jersey? I would say he's probably that if we're picking in form, he wouldn't be in, would he? But I think he's just got so much potential. And it's the options we've got. You know, Klamala ran his heart out for us. But he just, he's got a long way to go, hasn't he? There's just too big a gap between him and Eddie. Lee Griffiths, God, God knows what's happened. I mean, that's our two first-choice strikers this season. Eddie and Griffin, neither of them performing. And I don't think yet he does it as a lone striker. So, yeah, I just don't. No, I'd love to stick Paddy in there, but I don't think it'd be fair on Paddy. You know, you know, cup final. As Natasha says, it's a big stage. You know, the, the Milan rumours have surfaced about Eddie. You know what? Well, once the rumours start, maybe Eddie will fancy it a bit more because he's not getting any more European games this season. So if Milan are interested to be watching him now, he, he needs to start doing something if he wants his move. See, when I, I look at that, though, you know, what we remember of Eduard was a player who has made his way into, you know, the best Celtic side I've ever seen. You know, you've always got this in your mind, who's the best Celtic players you've ever seen. And, you know, I would have, he's up there, he's up there, uh, you know, and I'm not comparing him to some of the others who would be in the side, but he's one of the best strikers I've seen in, in the green and white hoop. So when you see him playing off form and then turning it on against the likes of Milan, Lawrence, put himself in the shop window. It's frustrating as a Celtic fan, but then you've got to remind yourself sometimes that these guys have no real connection to Celtic Football Club. I mean, we have this roman- romantic idea that, you know, you, you sign for Celtic and all of a sudden you're engulfed with the, the same kind of passion that we've got for the club. So, 
you know, it's taken me a while to realise that he hasn't got that and 10 in a row probably doesn't mean as much to him as it does to us. Although any professional wants to do well, of course they do. But I think there comes a time in a player's kind of season where they've got to knuckle down. And you've mentioned Lee Griffiths there. We're in the middle of December and Lee Griffiths still isn't fit enough to start a game. Um, you know, he's still carrying a bit of weight. And I just think, you know, I've been very critical with Neil Lennon. Very critical with Neil Lennon because just about everything ends up, you know, on his doorstep. But there comes a point, I think, Natasha, when you look at Lee Griffiths, a player that we've, we really have championed and supported on this broadcast, where you think, you know, it's your responsibility to get yourself to the, the peak fitness that you can be at so that, you know, if Eddie's not playing well, we can throw you in. I'm not confident that, that we could throw Griffiths in at the moment. Yeah, we need to be able to rely on him, really. Um, and all of us on here, um, and certainly myself, have been really supportive of Griffiths and would love to see him back and would love to come see him come in and cement himself as the number two striker that we can rely on. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. And how long do you give someone to, to establish themselves in that position? Um, and like you say, it's already December. So, you know, we're another half a season down and he's not helping us, not really. Um, Yeah, he came on against St Johnston and and helped us out there, but you need a lot more than that from who's supposed to be your number two striker. Mm -hmm. There's other players that I don't think are guaranteed a jersey. I mean, um, I've been looking at the form of El Yanusi, for example. I don't think he's a certainty to start. I know that Neil Lennon likes Rogic. He has been a big game player for us in the, in the past. And then, of course, you've got Ryan Christie, who gets a lot of criticism uh, on here, and I see a lot of criticism on social media for Christie. And again, I've stood up for him. At least he won't be taking seven or eight corners uh, that don't go beyond the first man. He won't be taking every free kick if he plays. And then he might be able to focus on his game. So when you're looking, Lawrence, at that, um, you know, the, the three midfield players just behind the striker who are you looking to start with? Uh, so if we're going to go Turnbull Sorrow I think Christy I think he'll stick with Moy uh, I can't see him not playing Moy he weighs in with too many goals mm-hmm. just now uh, you know I know he's not height to heights consistently it, it, it's just the, the goal return and it is it, good from him Uh if we've got workers in there like Sorrow, Turnbull, McGregor, they take a bit of pressure off what the flair players need to do. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Moy. And it, I, I, I wouldn't start with, with Christie. I'd play Frimpong instead of Christie. Mm. Uh, I think Frimpong just gives you a bit more natural width. Christie cuts in a bit too much for me. Although Frimpong's assists haven't been great, uh, you can see he's been working on it. In training, he's starting to find people in the box. I, I think that big pitch in hand and his speed could really be key. Especially when you've got Eddie up front, you know, it's giving you two really quick players. If, you, if we're going to hit in the break, spaces at hand and we, the front pong and Eddie could make all the difference. Yeah, definitely. Natasha, see when you look at uh, Ryan Christie, again, I'm a big fan. Some people say I'm too much of a fan because I don't see his faults. Uh, there's a lot of Celtic fans who wouldn't play him. They think he's selfish, he wants away. You know, when I look at his performances, I still th- see a creative player in there. I see him, you know, you look at the, the goal he scored against Aberdeen to get us to this final, uh, certainly to contribute to that. Uh, at Hamden, brilliant, absolutely superb strike. And I get that a lot of the time that ball ends up in Rose Ed. Um, I've already criticised him for his set pieces. It, he seems to uh, create a lot of chances for Celtic. Do you think Christie will get the shout? Uh, you know, I'm not beyond thinking, you know, Lenny might throw in somebody like Tommy Rogic. Yeah, to me, I wouldn't start Christie, and I don't think he will get the nod. Um, there are too many other options in that area at the moment that we need to look at first. Um, like Lawrence has said, I think the Hamden pitch suits Frimpong. I think we need to find space for him. I think we need to make sure there's space for Del Um And it just starts getting too many names on the sheet for Christie to be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can come on and have an impact. Um, I think he will be a useful substitute to bring on. But for me, he won't start. Um, and I'm probably okay with that. In terms of Roderick starting, I, again, I'm not sure he will. But he could be the kind of creativity that Lennon turns to um, as a substitution, someone who can break down that last line of defence. 
someone who doesn't last a full game but could be the impact sub that we're looking for that he has been in previous cup finals. Mm, definitely. I mean, again, the, the word sentimentality seems to be cropping up a lot and I will be going to the comments in just a moment. But what I will ask you before we do that, uh, starting with yourself, Lawrence, is we've had a couple of wins, right? So it's taken the heat off to a degree. I can see it when we do the bulletins. Uh, you know, after the games, when we were on this run of 2 and 12, Celtic fans were just, they, they wanted to vent. They were coming in and you could see it in, in large, large numbers. Last couple of games, that's calmed down a wee bit. And, and I think the Celtic fans, obviously, um, in the whole, in the main, know that there are still deep-rooted issues at the club going from the playing staff through the coaching and management team right up to the board level. We'll have a wee chat about the developments there as well. Um, are you looking at this as some kind of turning point? Does anything change in your mind in relation to what we do come January when this is all going to be reviewed? I think there still needs to be a review because obviously Lenny bears the brunt of everything, but you know he's not picking his coaching staff. <laughs> we don't know how much say he's getting on transfers. We certainly know other managers that had players bought for them that knew nothing about. I think that's the bigger problem. And, you know, hopefully it's a turning point for Lenny. If it's not, and we're looking to replace a manager, who's going to come in and work under those circumstances? Can't pick your backroom staff. Don't, you know, you're going to get, end up with players bought for you you didn't know anything about. I, I think that's a structural problem of the way the club operates. And I think a lot of things are kind of sim- symptomatic of that. And that's what needs addressed more. And also, hopefully, if Lenny's got an eye on someone to come in and help him on the coaching side, if he thinks that still needs an improvement, he's allowed to go and get his man to come in and help him, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, someone appointed for him or someone suggested to him, rather over and above the person he's selected. Natasha, see, when you look at it, I mean, obviously... I nailed my colours to the mast where, where I thought that Neil Lennon should have been relieved of his duties way back at you know halftime at Pataudry. Um A lot of people's turning point or tipping point was different. Uh, but you know what generally happens is if the performances improve on the park and we start winning games, there's a huge amount of Celtic fans who think, well, that's fine as long as we're winning. And they don't look... And that again is part of the problem because all these other issues that Lawrence has mentioned a few of there they get ignored. You know, as long as we've got a winning team on the park, it doesn't matter about recruitment, it doesn't matter who picks the coaching staff. Do you still think come January we really need to review the situation? Yes, um, and I think it runs a lot deeper than just looking at the, the performances or the points on the table. You know, if we start picking up three points quite consistently, you know, it's much deeper than that. You know, fine, if we keep this run going and we keep picking up three points, but that's, you know, for a club like ours, that's the bare minimum. Um, we've got to be striving to achieve more than that. And whether Lennon and his coaching staff are the right people to do that doesn't change, regardless of the, whether they're picking up three points domestically, which is the bare minimum. So, yeah, I think we still need to look at it in January. Um, and we do really need to consider where we want to be as a club going forward. And I'm not sure that that's Lennon. Well, I will be going on to the the AGM, which was going on just as we did our our bulletin yesterday, Natasha, and I disagreed with just about everything I heard, and people were saying, well, you're being negative, and to be honest with you, though, a lot of the points that were coming up, I just felt it was lip service. Uh, On the one hand, we're talking about the communication being good enough between the club and the support. Well, that's not what I'm hearing. I mean, just about everybody comes on, is disappointed with the communication levels. Um, and, and I think it was perfectly illustrated by the fact that Peter Lowell felt the communication was OK. Well, obviously he's not communicating with the fans because the fans don't think it's OK. Was there anything at all from that AGM that uh, you could actually take positives from? Because I, I just felt it was very much lip service. Uh, for me, it's hard. I don't want to be too negative, but to me that AGM was a real letdown. It barely scratched the surface of the issues that the club are facing and it didn't really address any of the key concerns that I have and I feel that most of the Celtic fans have and one of them is the communication and I think, you know, that was summarised by the fact that, you know, instead, and I know it's difficult during these times, but instead of a Q&A session, we got some questions that had already been sifted through by the club and some pre-recorded answers from Lowell. I mean, that's not communication. And it goes along the lines of what the statements are again. You know, that's very one-sided. It's exactly the same narrative. And I don't think we learned anything more 
yesterday than we have than we did from the statements that we got. So mm-hmm. yeah, for me, disappointed um, and hasn't really addressed the key issues. The other um, speaker who I obviously was interested to hear from was Neil Lennon himself, Natasha, and he was talking about, I've done this before, I've had this success, this means a lot to me. But again, it's in many ways we know all that. What are you going to do to change it? You know, th- this is what I wanted to, I wanted to hear a bit of honesty. This has not been good enough. We've, we've not been good exactly. enough, you know, and we, we didn't get any of that, did we? No, and that's what's frustrating. And I've actually been looking at some other teams who are in, you know, not the best run of form, teams like Motherwell, teams like Arsenal. And you look at the narratives that are coming out for those clubs. You know, Motherwell are tweeting things like, we're sorry, we must do better. This is awful. You know, you've got Arsenal who are in this terrible run they're in. And, you know, players like Tierney coming out and saying, you know, we're just sorry. This is bad and we're going to do everything we can to fix it. We're going to work harder, train harder. But overall, we accept that this is awful and we apologise. And I just don't feel we've ever got that from the club. What we've got is excuses. We've had from Lennon, it was COVID and the players were unsettled and it's a difficult time. And I think the fans would have a lot more respect for Lennon and the club if they just came out and said, sorry, you know, we feel the same, it's awful. And this is what we're going to do to fix it. Rather than saying we will fix it, tell us what you're going to do. Mm. Oh, definitely. The other thing, again, uh, Lawrence, and I know you've been keeping a, a really close eye on this, uh, it looks now as though Resolution 12 stroke 11 is now dead and buried. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a worrying thing because are we accepting that another club is allowed more favourable rules than us or governed differently from us? Because this is a situation that may arrive, arise again soon. And I don't think the communication is sufficient enough to say it's not in the club's best interest to pursue it. All right, why is that? You know, why is it not in the best interest to make sure, to ensure that we're getting fairness as a football club in sport? I mean, even look at the weekend, it looked as if there was, a, shall we say, different standards applied, but we'll find out at 3pm today if there's been a sign for a, a four-arm smash that looked as if it belongs in a wrestling ring. It, you know, it, it kind of goes to the way foot, Scottish football is governed. You know, McCann char- challenged it and won, and we mm. just seem to be saying, well, it's an open court, yet... We knew we shouldn't have given them a license. We gave them the license over you. We deprived you a million millions of pounds, but we seem pretty cool with that. Which, in the face of it, is just really hard to understand. If they could tell us the thought process why it's not, or is there something at risk if, if we challenge it? But they just say, not in Celtic's interest. Big thing with that, Lawrence, again, coming down to what Natasha says, and you're 100% right, is communication. If there's a wee bit of honesty there, if they tell us the repercussions of, of the various options available to the club, then at least you communicate with the fans rather than fans is getting frustrated. Um, and it's been a big part to play in, for example, the protests. Now, um, the protests, obviously, on Sunday, um, how big a change was there, I think, in a couple, of, a couple of results? Probably a big change, because, I mean, we've spoken, Natasha, to the guys who were involved in the original protest back in the 90s, and they said every time they got a momentum going, Celtic would win a few games, or beat Rangers, or change the manager, or buy a player, and all of a sudden, there's a huge amount of people who are only interested in that side of things, so they, they lose a bit of interest, and the momentum is lost. Uh, the protests were already agreed by the Trust, and they went ahead, of course, um, but then you hear from Peter Lowell saying that some of the reactions, and he, he mentioned online reactions as well, were over the top. I mean, if you were at the games, and hopefully that will happen before the end of the season, it's not as though you would just politely clap and then leave the stadium. It would be a lot worse if there were 60,000 in, in the park, surely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it is not wise from him to suggest that the fans are over the top. I feel he is completely underestimating the feeling of the support if he thinks the reactions are over the top. Um, Online is a vacuum, of course. There's no oxygen. It all feels very, very um, heated. But it's what you would get in a stadium, um, maybe amplified by being online. Um, But I think not wise to suggest it's over the top. Again, there shows that disconnect from where the board's mindset are to where the fans' mindset, because this is where the fans quite collectively are in terms of their thinking. Mm-hmm. And a sweeping generalisation that's over the top um, isn't helpful, and it just suggests that he's disregarding the feelings of the fans as being unreasonable. Um, and again, is doing him 
no favours in the fans' minds. No, you're right. Now, again, talking about Celtic fans and uh, like a, a, a collection of Celtic fans have got together for the big charity weekend. The reason I bring it up again as well is to push it and the fact that there's, there is a link underneath the video. Uh, yesterday we got a lovely message from Johnny Owen people will know Johnny as an actor as a writer, as a director and you know he's been on a Celtic State Mine a couple of times because he's a Celtic fan which is brilliant um, a very talented uh, guy but a Celtic fan as well and of course he was involved, he directed the Three Kings film about um, Shankly, Busby and Steen fairly recently so he sent us this lovely message, uh, a great wee video and someone was holding up this this poster so he's basically said, you know, I'll sign that and we can auction it off. It just so happens to be Vicky McClure, one of the best actresses in Britain uh, at the moment, who was holding the poster up. Already, someone's been in touch. We've not even put it up yet on eBay. We're going to have a wee charity eBay auction. Uh, someone's already offered 500 quid for that poster, which is unbelievable. Um, before we came online, I think we're sitting at about £6,000 on the, the GoFundMe page, which is absolutely astonishing. Uh, so I tell Johnny this morning, we've had a £500 bid, he says, well, let the person know that we'll arrange to hand deliver the poster when we get back to the stadium and I'll buy him a pint outside uh, before the game. And you just think, what a lovely fella he is. I mean, that's that's just tremendous, is it not? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, great. And I think it just does speak to the the whole embodiment of being a Celtic fan. We look after each other. We look after our own. We support our own causes. Um, and yeah, it's really lovely. A great gesture um, and a great total already raised. And here's to, here's to more. No, I know. I'm looking forward to it and hopefully um, a few of the Celtic State of Mind team will be able to join us over that weekend. Patrick Murphy is commenting on YouTube to say sentimentality can't trump form when it comes to this historic match. Brown is a club legend, but he's been poor this season. If we're comfortable on 70 plus minutes, then of course bring him on to see it out. And um, I'm actually looking at that situation. I agree with Natasha. I think Neil Lennon will play Scott Brown. But I would certainly go for the form players. We're playing, you know, hearts. I've heard people saying they're not a championship side. Well, they are, because that's where they are, you know, and that's what happens. And when Dundee United were down there, we all knew that the league would be better with Dundee United in it. But it's all on form, and that's why they were there, on merit or otherwise. Um, so hearts are at a different level at the moment. They beat Queen of the South, that's great. But they're up against a completely different animal in Celtic. And I actually think that even though I would play Sorrow, if you play Brown against Hearts under these circumstances, I'm still confident enough that uh, he will be able to perform well enough to get us the result we need. I'm going to put the both of these on the spot here and ask for a prediction. Come to yourself first, Lawrence. Um, we've already predicted how we're going to start the game. How do you think we'll do on the day? I think it's going to be 3 0. I think we're going to keep another clean sheet. I think we'll be confident getting into the game. The bigger pitch generally suits us, and I think Eddie will turn up for a change. Well, I hope you're right about Eddie, because if he does, that that's a game changer. I've called him that a few times this season, and often we've been needing him as a game changer, and we've not had him either available or on form. Natasha, what's your prediction for Sunday? I am feeling confident. Maybe not quite um, Lawrence's levels of optimism, but I, I am feeling confident. I know what sort of game we're going to get. I think it's going to be a bit of a combative game, um, which might not lead to some nice free-flowing football that would result in three goals. Um, but feeling confident of grinding out the win. Um, and I'll I'll go for 2-0. Slightly 2-0. I'll go 2-0. 2-0, I'll be happy with that. IH Decorating uh, says, pick the players in form. Why change a winning side? And Scott Graham goes on to say, if we're going for a quadruple treble, then there should be no room for sentiment. If he did change it, then in my eyes, it would be a dereliction of his duties as a manager. Now, when we're looking at the situation of us, hopefully coming out of that rut uh, and turning it around, when we're, we're looking ahead to this game against Rangers at Ibrox, Natasha, and again, I was looking forward to the game at Ibrox before uh, COVID uh, restrictions prevented it from taking place. I was very confident back then. If we can, you know, get that that momentum going, and we're going into that game against Rangers, do you think, you know, people are getting a wee bit kind of carried away with how well they're playing? I know that obviously they're on a twenty-six game on beating run, etc. But 
I don't think when I look at it, and, and I'm going to use the Dundee United game as an example, I don't think that they're going to go the whole season like, you know, invincible, like Brennan Rodgers' first season. I think there are, are definitely occasions where they're going to drop points. Everybody's talking about Tavernier. Um, let's talk about him as a right back. You know, let, let's actually challenge him as a right back because, yeah, he's getting a lot of goals, a lot of them from penalty kicks and assists and all this kind of stuff. But I think if Celtic challenged him as a right back, then we would see the real James Tavernier or Tavernier. Uh, what's your thoughts looking ahead to, to Ibrox, Natasha? Are you thinking, you know what, we've been off form, but man for man, you still fancy our chances as, as the better side? I mean, when you look at it like that, and it's something that Griffiths got slaughtered for saying a couple of weeks ago, which I don't actually think is completely inaccurate. I think for man for man, individually, our players are better. As a collective, have we been performing better right now? No. But mostly, I'd say, you know, 90% over the pitch, our players have better technical ability. The problem with uh, a Glasgow derby is that anything can happen. The game has to be taken itself in a bit of isolation. I think the relevance of form is somewhat negated by the, the occasion. Um, and anything can happen with the better players, which I think we do have. You never know. You never know. Um, but I think... I think it'll be a bit of a tough one, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a big thing, and I've I've made a point of continually, you know, stating that although Celtic have had all these mitigating circumstances, so much has gone wrong. The best teams sitting at the top of the league because they've they've put together a great run of results. But I do I do think there are signs. There are signs, and I take the Dundee United game um, as an example. Taken away from the point you raised, Lawrence, about Morelos and refereeing decisions, I do think there's going to be occasions where we probably didn't expect anything from Tannadice, but there are going to be games where they drop points. And it's all about Celtic keeping our own backyard in order so that we can capitalise on it. Um, looking towards uh, Ibrox, and this is going to take in some of the points I'm going to bring up at the moment, uh, Lawrence, do you honestly think that the board have given some kind of reassurance to Neil Lennon that his job is going to be safe up until that game? Oh, yeah, I think definitely. I don't think they're coming out and making that announcement. I'm not too sure they, they could be in a PLC if they hadn't, you know, said we're going to review it in, in January. I don't think they can make that announcement if that wasn't the assurances that have been given or wasn't the plan. But, I mean, going back to kind of what Natasha was saying, their, their communication has been uh, from the board, it's been terrible, you know. Some of it's been over the top. That's the language of disengagement, not engagement. How do you engage with somebody after you've told them your reaction's over the top? That is just, we don't want to engage. It, you know, that's a big play. Do one, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's sad that that's, that's what it comes down to if, if that's the way they're treating us as supporters when there's genuine concerns. Yeah. To use the language of the, the, the disengagement instead of kind of welcome some kind of discourse with the support is, is just it's shocking and it's shameful. The big thing for me, Lawrence, is I mean, we, we as part of our charity weekend, and thank you to Mark for that message, Axom weekend putting the Christmas trinkets advert from the PLC to shame. Um, the, the big thing for me was, you know what, let's try and engage with the club. Let's try and get the club's uh, input into this and, and let's maybe target the top man and ask Peter Lobel onto the show. Uh, there's no way we do it live and I, I totally get the reasons why that could, would be the case, Natasha. Um, I mean, obviously to be bombarded with um, a thousand questions from uh, a fan base probably isn't the best forum. It would be brilliant, but I don't think he would agree to that. But it has given us a positive response to say that we will revisit this in January. By that time, things may have changed in the, the the kind of view of a lot of Celtic fans. But I agree with you. I think that the real issues are deep-rooted ones. Um, and even if Rangers drop a couple of points, we go on a run, uh, we win our games in hand, and we go into the Ibrox game a lot closer than we are at the moment, I think we still have to focus on the points that have made us as bemused as as we have been over the last few months. Um, have a wee think, Natasha, I don't want to put you on the spot just now. If you did have the opportunity to ask Peter Lowell a question, what would the question be? You might have it uh, ready to go just now. If so, brilliant. Uh, let us know what it is. But uh, that's the kind of thing that I want from our listeners to say to us, well, you've got to ask them this. I mean, I know Lawrence 
um, is kind of passionate about the Resolution 12 stroke 11 situation and there might be some questions there. I feel that a lot of the answers we have got so far have been kind of like stock answers. They've not really given us much information. But if there was something, and I'm now putting you on the spot, Natasha, what would you ask Peter Lowell? There's one thing that comes to mind for me, which which I was thinking when I was watching the AGM, is to some of the, the questions you know, I was shouting at, you know, almost at my screen, like, we need to go further than this. And one of them for me is that he was quite bold. He said, we need to get into the Champions League more regularly. It's important yeah. for us as a club. It's absolutely something we must do. Um, and he delivered that as if it was some groundbreaking statement. It's not. For me, what I'd want to ask him is, say, you know, that's all well and good. But tell me how we plan on doing that. I want the full picture. I want exactly your roadmap of getting there. If that's your goal as a business, then tell me how we're going to get from the position we're in to getting into the Champions League more regularly. And that needs to cover everything from recruitment to budgeting to planning. I want more. I want the details. Um, I don't want sound bites. I want more information on that. So, so the question for me would really be how. You know, tell us how, tell us more. Mm, definitely. I mean, when, when you say that, the first thing that springs to my mind is we never seem prepared. You know, we know the qualifiers are there. We know when they're going to be played. We're never prepared. And all we seem to get, it's very difficult to get players in. Well, do what you need to do to get them in. Because what happens is we always look a bit fragmented in these games. Um, and ultimately, over the last nine seasons, we're failing more than, than we're getting through. So the failure rate's higher than the success rate. And then we get a whole load of stats saying that, you know, this is the, the X amount of seasons that we've had in the group stages. Well, that's not good enough. I mean, this season is going to add to that record. We've been in the group stages. Did it feel as though we were in Europe? We were just the whipping boys of a, of a group that, you know what? It was a difficult group, but it shouldn't have been beyond us. Uh, we faced teams last season in a group that, you know, we enjoyed because we were able to to go to Italy and win a game. We, you know, we played uh, Lazio at home, beat them home and away. And, you know, I, I do think you're absolutely right. Tell us how. Tell us the how. How are you going to get there? And when you're in a position of strength, as I think we probably were, heading into a position of strength with the likes of Brennan Rodgers and the changes he had made, not just on the football park. Um, how do we then build on that? Because it seems as though every time we get to that position, then we take a few steps back. Uh, and we can all see it. I mean, the, the, obviously, the appointment of Neil Lennon was uh, symptomatic of that, whereby, you know, the, the disappointment... I, I was at the... My car was parked at the Beechwood, just across from Hamden, and the disappointment I felt from Celtic fans walking from Hamden that day back to my car was even worse than the disappointment that I'd been given a ticket for parking on the street that day. But I, I just thought, you know, Neil Lennon... You know, it was one of these things, it was a safe option. And then you hear, and I don't believe this, then you hear he was given a job in the shower. I don't think he was. And then you hear, because it's sound bites, it's exactly what you're saying, Natasha, it gives you a sound bite. And it's almost as if, you know, it wasn't a big deal, Neil Lennon was going to get the job, we didn't even look at any other applications. And you think, well, you know, what if Rafa Benitez's application was in there? then, you know, it's a dereliction of duty. Lawrence, you've had a couple of more minutes to think about a question for Peter Lowell. What would you ask the CEO? Uh, I would probably say, probably a two-part question. Uh, who's the best manager that's been there while well, you've been there? And what kind of actions or could you have done differently to, to keep that manager there? Mm. That's a loaded question, Lawrence. The best type, aren't they? <laughs> That is a loaded question. Um, I mean, I look at Brennan Rogers. I look at where he is. He's exactly where he wanted to be. He's exactly where he thought his second step was going to be from Celtic. He knew what he was doing. But I've said this during the week. To get what we got from him for a couple of years, I would take that. From a, a similar type of manager, I would take that knowing that there's going to come a time where he just leaves you in a lurch or, or whatever. You've got to be prepared as a football club and as a business for that kind of adversity. And you should be able to, to obviously act on that. So when you look back, Natasha, I mean, has it softened the blow at all uh, since the disappointment of Brendan going when you see him there in his Leicester gear? What's your thoughts on him now? Because he was part of nine in a row. He will be part of this quintuple treble if we get it. He certainly will, um, and I will be grateful for everything he contributed to the club, um, what he managed in that invincible season and the trophies he delivered. Um, I am grateful for, and, you know, rightly we should be. 
the manner in which he left, I think it'll be very difficult to to get over. Um, does it negate from what he achieved? Slightly, yes, it shouldn't, but it does. Um, can I say I'm I'm happy for him that it's going well at Leicester? Probably not. I think I'm a little bit more bitter than that. Um, but I'm still grateful to, for what he achieved while he was here. I'll say that. What about yourself, Lawrence? Uh, well, there's been a lot of talk. I was actually surprised last week that one of the reporters asked Jack Ross about the Celtic job. I was pretty surprised that he did that. I mean, Neil Lennon's still in position, so we can talk about gossip and rumour, and we've heard this name and that. Where are you on the Neil Lennon situation? Would you would you remove him? And if so, what type of manager would you bring in? Uh, for, for me, I, I don't even think it's, it's completely the wrong question. There's a structural failure within the club. So removing the manager and place, placing another manager in there, if we've still got the same structural failure, we're going to hit problems down the line. Much like we did with Brendan, apparently he was looking out after one season because of the issues at the club and the, and the structure of the football department. So if, you, if you've got a structural problem with your house, you don't put a new front door on. <laughs> you, 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 know, you, you need to kind of address the structural problem before you... You change anything or else, what's the point? Things are just going to go wrong again. Structurally, you're unsound. So, if Lenny t- turns the corner, takes us to January, unbeaten, been a quadruple treble, we win at Ibrox. Does he deserve to, to try and deliver the turn? Well, probably, yeah. But if you, you're going to say, well, change him and put someone in there and they're still got the same structural problems, you're just addressing a, a symptom. You're not addressing the issues. And mm. As long as we only address symptoms, you're not going to cure our problems. I take that point. Lawrence, what I would say, though, is uh, in order to salvage something from this season, in order to salvage the 10 in a row, which has been the big focus for so, so long at Celtic, surely a change of manager with the squad we have and with some more players coming in in January and have suggested that will happen, someone can come in and make an impact because obviously there's been big issues this season and it's not just down to the structure. I mean, Neil Lennon's got a squad of players there that he should be doing better with. And there's no doubt about that. And, you know, he's failed, the players have failed, and we know the board have failed in, in many of the points that you've you've made, Lawrence. But I think that, you know, the biggest issue we're going to have now, Natasha, is there's a lot of fans who, if we do string together a few results, they might forget all of that bad stuff that we were talking about over the last three or four months. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, it goes deeper, doesn't it? It really goes back to the root of where we want to be as a club and what our ambitions are, not only for the remainder of this season, but for next season as well. Um, I completely get Lawrence's point around him. Simply changing the front door isn't going to change the structural issues. But what else do you do? And I think for me, I think regardless of how the cup final goes or how the Rangers game goes, I think Lennon himself may admit that it's time for him Mm. to go. I wonder, you know, there's there's rumours that behind the scenes, Lennon has been willing to make the move and, and leave, but there is no one else there to, to take his place and he can't leave the club in the lurch like that. Um, I wonder if there's an element of that comes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think regardless, in January, we are going to see change. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, players coming in, players going uh, going the other way? I think one of the biggest issues has been the fact that we've got a number of players who don't really want to be at the club anymore. They thought that, you know, for example, let's look at Edward. So they get sold this dream. You come to Celtic for a couple of years. At the moment, you're a PSG Academy graduate who's had a loan deal at Toulouse. Come to Celtic, put yourself in the shop window. We'll get you that move. But he's beyond the two years and he seems to be right. Well, I've done my bit sell me on. If we're looking at a situation, Natasha, where let's say you've got three or four players who are in that boat and Cham, I think, is a guaranteed uh, guy who doesn't want to be here. I think Ayer probably is getting to the stage where he's looking at interest from Milan. Eduard, do you sell them? Do you get rid of that element? Yeah, for for me now, the answer is yes. In the summer, um, I was desperate that we hold on to the Eduard and the Chams and the Ayers. And I was delighted that the board allowed us to do that and allowed us to keep these big-name players. But there's no point keeping big-name players if they're not going to be big-game players. And they're not anymore. Um, They're not turning up. They're not interested. And it looks like they all wanted their moves. So there's no point stopping them from from leaving if they're only going to give you half a performance every week. 
Um, I'd rather have, you know, if you're looking at Cham, I'd rather have Turnbull in there who's going to mm. give you a lot more than Cham who's going to give you you half a game. So take the money for Cham and, and focus on developing and supporting Turnbull. Mm, I, I agree with that. I really do. And I, I don't think anyone would disagree with the fact that, you know, we kept all the, the star players, uh, as it were. And we're all happy with that, Lawrence. But um, it certainly caused friction. It's caused issues. You've, if you've got four or five players who are even 10, 15% off it, that causes an issue. Uh, and in particular in the big games, I've heard numerous names, one who really surprised me. Um, and, you know, I've heard even some people say, well, McGregor doesn't want to be here. Well, I think he does. He's not, a, he's not one of the agitators behind the scenes yeah. from what I'm hearing. So, um, when it comes to January, Lawrence, and two or three of these guys could be shipped out, and I'm thinking in Cham, maybe even Eduard, um, do you just go with that? Do you, do you replace them with guys who are hungry? I mean, we've seen what, what can be done when we come up against Leo, an excellent side, by the way, and we beat them 3-2, and they had something to play for, and we'd done that with hungry players who had a bit of desire, they wanted to prove themselves, so instead of having the surliness of French Eddie or Cham, you're getting someone like Sorwin who wants to prove a point, and he played brilliantly, so surely we should take that as, as uh, something that we need to look at in the January transfer window, yeah, I expect us to bring two or three in, but let's get rid of a couple of the agitators. Yeah, I, th- I think Ch- Cham's times, of, if it was ever here, it's long since passed. Uh, but I'd say Big, big Eye would probably keep. I, I don't think he's ever given his less than 100% on the park. Uh, I do think he's got a desire to move on, but I think he's still willing to perform his job to the best of his ability. Whereas I think there's a few other players that we couldn't say that. That was the, the same for them. Eddie and Cham being two of them. So I don't know. I can't even remember him any Eddie. Eddie's got in goals this season but yeah if we get a big offer for him in January I mean it, it doesn't stand on an application alone you know we're in a COVID world we'll need to look at finances if a, a big offer comes in from Eddie I don't think we're going to be in position to refuse it certainly what does it say to your other strikers if Eddie's always starting but he doesn't really care you, you know and you're saying we've seen what kind of desire can do we'll, can a spark a prag show us what desire can do hungry players you know it's I think yeah having Cham would I would happily move both at the moment Uh, I don't think he's going to be here I don't think Eddie's going to give us as much as he should for the rest of the season if we're going to bring players in we're going to need money to invest and he's probably the most saleable asset that's going to give that kind of cash that you can invest and Cham I'm just in an absolute loss to what he gives to the club and I know Natasha's right you know invest at Turnbull or Give, give Henderson a chance instead of Enchamp. I'm almost at stage of give anyone a chance instead of Enchamp because he's, he, he, he just doesn't have the heart for it, which, you know, from what I'm seeing of his effort on the park. So, yeah, play anyone instead of him, I think. Move him on. Will Christie want to move? Because I don't see a natural place in, in the team for him just now, uh, especially going 4-3-3. It could be time to move him on as well because I think he's he's got an eye on, on moving. It may freshen the squad up a bit as well. I think it will certainly do that. I, just one final point from Robert Highland, and I do find this quite interesting because I, I think Rogers would do to Leicester uh, just what he done to Celtic. He'll be offski if uh, Arsenal come come calling uh, or any other of the, you know the top six clubs in England come calling. And uh, if that happens, he might come in for Eduard and uh, let's just hope he doesn't come in for McGregor because I still think he's pivotal to anything that we're going to achieve this season now Natasha this is your second appearance on a Celtic State of Mind fantastic contribution again thank you so much for joining us Lawrence you've been here forever uh, but it's always a pleasure to see you sir Uh, this weekend I've been going on about it right across the bottom of your screen Uh, that's also telling you if you want to sponsor any of the shows get in touch with uh, the email address at the bottom of the screen we're on about six grand and we've got people giving us items for the auction and we're hoping to raise a lot of money for the most vulnerable around about Christmas time and what has been one of the hardest years if not the hardest years in living memory so thanks to all the Celtic fans who are contributing it means a hell of a lot to a lot of people Um, but all that's left for me to say today is uh, Natasha and Lawrence thank you once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind
message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.